With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to an extra special edition of the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I am Chris Goaufer. You may be wondering, why is it extra special? And let me tell you, it is extra special because we had an entire Sky U Podcast in the can. We had probably 55 minutes of excellent, amazing content, the likes of which you have never heard before. Certainly would have changed your life forever. And then the newest member of our podcast realized he hadn't recorded any of his audio. I'd like to introduce Steve Zips of Akron. See, this is what happens when you let the intern in on the podcast. Never, ever let... The, see, but Blake's an intern. The intern knows how to record his own audio. I suppose that would make sense. See, this is what happens when you, when you let one of the non-tech savvy guys in the, in the house. This is what happens. So... Not to not to make fun of Steve too much because he's actually not the first to do this. Um, we, we there was supposed to be a Minnesota Nice podcast during the Iowa week uh, with Max from Blackheart Gold Pants, and Max managed to do the same thing. Uh, so Steve is not alone uh, in his shame, um, but you know we're still going to point at him and I don't know, not laugh, but we're pointing at him virtually through the computer right now yeah what's that mean for you uh the listener it means a slightly shorter podcast it is currently 11 30 p.m eastern and i'm exhausted so we're going to do a slightly clean cut version of of the 60 minutes of awesome you had coming to you before what are we going to talk about we're going to talk about shooty hoops we are not going to talk about wisconsin because that game didn't actually happen and nobody can convince me otherwise we're not going to talk about bama because well, that wasn't basketball at the end of that game, so why talk about it? Uh, we are going to talk about uh, Miami. We're going to talk about why uh, Alex's family is amazing. And we are going to talk about our predictions for Miami. So you might notice a little bit of a Miami-focused podcast. Uh, that's probably a good segue to note that also with us, as always, is U Street. Hey, y'all. All right, Miami. Steve? Break them down for us. What are we going to see when the Gophers play uh, the Miami Hurricanes on Wednesday night? So the uh, Hurricanes are number 10 in the nation. So they're coming in. They're going to be the highest-rated team that the Gophers have seen thus far. Um, prior to that, it was Alabama, who was number 25. Um, Miami's an interesting case. Um, Jim Laranag is the head coach. He's been there for about six years. Um, really brought them from the doldrums. He came from George Mason. Remember the uh, recall the George Mason Final Four team? Um, but Miami's been kind of in the um, postseason hunt more often than not, especially the last two years they've had really good seasons. Um, they lost two of their best defenders from last year, so they're kind of finding their identity there. Um, it's been actually a pretty good go of it, though, um, one of the better defenses so far in the nation. Um, they're, they got some young guys, um, especially uh, in, the, in the front and backcourt. Um, 
Their leading scorer right now is a guy named uh, Dewan Hewell. And you wouldn't think of Miami as much of an inside team, but he's been their leading scorer and their leading rebounder so far this year. Um, and it's interesting. He's a tall, lanky guy. He's 6'11", but he's 220 pounds. So for comparison's sake, um, Jordan Murphy is 6'6", six six and 250 pounds. So Murphy's <laughs> losing 5 inches on him, um, but, but has 30 pounds more on him. And um, you think about Huell, um, not sure he's going to match up with a guy like Murphy, uh, especially when he's a string bean. So um, Miami, though, uh, like I said, number 10 in the nation, but they are 5-0 and on the season and haven't played really a single team worth mentioning. Um, they played Gardner-Webb, they played Navy, they played Florida A&M, they played LaSalle, and they played North Florida. Um, the best of that bunch is LaSalle, and according to Ken Palm, the 128th best team in the nation. Um, so the Gophers can and should be a rude awakening on the schedule. By far and away, the, the hardest team Miami will um, be playing. And, uh, you know, going on the road to um, a, or a true road game at the barn, raucous crowd, ESPN, uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. I don't know. It seems, it seems like it could be a shock for a team like the Hurricanes, who, like I said, have played two fewer games and really haven't played anyone from the Power Six at all. You know, I think if you're looking at kind of the stats uh, for Minnesota, the glaring one that stands out, and I think this is people would, would even if they weren't looking at the numbers, would feel like the eye test is, is saying the same thing, is Minnesota's three-point defense um, seems to be probably the most glaring liability. If you look at Kempom, you know, in a sea of green, a sea of good news for different stats, the big red box is their three-point defense. Do you see Miami exploiting that based on what they've done so far this year? Yeah, so uh, the Gophers, like you said, their biggest weakness so far, if there is one, has been giving up three-point ball. And not even really that many shots, but just the shots have been going in. And as the season's kind of gone on, I was getting a little more uh, just kind of worried about the consistency of how many shots were going in. Um, but I had, I had a Twitter conversation with uh, my old blogger, uh, co-blogger at From the Barn, Jonathan Foster, and he was reassuring me that um, the fact that we're giving up a, lot, a high percentage of threes um, or the three points, three points are going in in a high percentage, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, he quoted a Ken Palm article I found pretty interesting where it's saying that basically three-pointers are, you know, luck-oriented. Um, yeah, people can be good at shooting threes, but for the most part, um, your, you know, luck influences whether or not a three is even attempted. So if you're seeing a lot of three-point attempts happening against your team, you should be more worried because that means the defense is um, seeing a weakness there that they want to try to exploit and try their luck at making the three. However, if a team is, or if teams are not shooting that many threes against um, your defense, which for the Gophers, there aren't really that many threes being shot. They're just going in at a high rate. Not necessarily something to worry about. And that's kind of according to Ken Palm, the godfather. You know, one thing uh, I think, Alex, you brought up was that it, it seems like Miami is getting a large percentage of their points from, from two-point shots. Um and what that could mean for Minnesota's interior defense. You want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so Miami is a bad three-point shooting team. They average about 4.3% from behind the arc, which is good for 192 in the country. They are an awful free-throw shooting team. They are 346 in the country. That could mean a couple of things. One thing it could mean is that their bigs are getting fouled and their bigs are awful at free-throw shooting, which is probably happening. Another thing it could mean is that across the board, they're not very good jump shooters. 
because there is usually a relatively strong correlation between free throw percentage and three-point percentage. Where they are quite good is two-point percentage. They are almost 60% from the field inside the arc. It's good for 26 in the country. And if I look at that statistical profile, with the note that I have not extensively watched Miami play basketball this year, what that tells me is they are very good at getting to the rim and getting nice, easy, close-range jump shots and close-range layups, dunks, etc. When he is on the floor and not in foul trouble, Reggie Lynch is one of, if not the best rim protector in the country. If he and Jordan Murphy is also excellent at defense when he chooses to be, have a good game inside, particularly if Reggie Lynch is able to play for over 25-30 minutes in this game, I think the Gophers will be in very good shape. If he's not able to do that and the Gophers have to go to their bench, the front court bench is still weak and unproven, and that would be sort of worrisome. So I think that's a specific matchup to watch for tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever we drop this, about how are the Gophers going to win. I think offensively, the Gophers have a ton of weapons. There are a lot of people who could potentially score. Miami's defense will be the hardest defense the Gophers have played all season. So it's an interesting defensive matchup on both sides. One, can the Gophers score, and who will be the scorer in this game, because the Gophers have had several different players go off and have big games. And then for the Gophers on defense, can Reggie Lynch and Jordan Murphy have excellent games? If they do, I expect the Gophers to have a good result. Minnesota is not the only team uh, with kind of an exciting week ahead of them. Obviously, we're extremely, extremely pumped up for the the top 15 matchup between Minnesota and Miami at the barn. Uh, But we also have to look forward to this week, volleyball. Volleyball starts the NCAA tournament this weekend. They are the number seven seed in the country. Um, Good enough for hosting a sub-regional. And to talk a little bit more about what to expect for Minnesota uh, in the NCAA tournament, we turn it over to Rachel. It's NCAA tournament time for Gopher Volleyball, and this year they're seeded for the third year in a row. They got number seven seed in this year's tournament. Uh, they finished the season 26-5, and 15-5 in conference, which was good for third place behind Nebraska and Penn State, who both finished 19-1. Minnesota took some lumps over the last few weeks. They went 3-3. Three and three. They lost on the road at Purdue and Illinois, and then senior night they lost at home to Penn State. Stephanie Samity and Alexis Hart have been great on the pins for the Gophers, but kind of what's been lacking is some consistency out of the middle and from Jasmine Martin, not just offensively, but passing. A lot of times McCutcheon has subbed in maybe Brittany McLean or Cindy Kleinman to pass because teams will pick on Martin and serve receive. In the middle, Molly Lohman performs her role well. She keeps the ball in play. She doesn't put it away that often, but she's a great blocker. With Reagan Pittman, though, just needs some consistency of getting offense from her and her keeping the ball in play. Minnesota's matchup, they play North Dakota in the first round for second year in a row, so there's a little familiarity there, a lot of the same players back. Faith Dooley leads North Dakota in kills and blocks. She averages almost a block and a half a set, over three kills a set. Dooley has just an average night, and if North Dakota is able to slow down Samity or Hart on the, either pin, Minnesota could be in a little bit of trouble because what they've really kind of struggled with all year is teams with 
physical middles who can score on offense, and Minnesota just doesn't have that to counter. Loman's a great blocker, but she's not going to give you points, and Pittman's just not consistent enough to be that same presence on the other side of the net for the Gophers. Dakota's a good passing team. They average 18.41 digs per set, which is the 10th in the country. They're also a good blocking team, in part due to Faith Dooley, but they average almost 2.7 blocks a set, which is 23rd in the country. If Minnesota can, you know, if Dooley has a great night, that's fine. If they can keep the pin hitters in check, and if they can get Pittman or Loman on track offensively, get some points, they should have no problem. The other matchup in the Minneapolis sub-regional is Louisville versus Northern Iowa. Louisville finished, or well, they won the ACC. They tied with Pitt with an 18-2 record. Um, Minnesota, you know, played them first weekend of the season. Minnesota beat them in four. Balanced team that defends well. And then Northern Iowa is a very good offensive team. They're actually number one in the country with 15.28 kills per set. They've Two girls, three girls who average over three kills a set. Another good passing team. They ever, they're second in the country with 19.64 digs per set. They don't serve particularly tough. They do have some good wins this year. They beat Missouri's tournament team, USC, Iowa State, and they beat Nebraska, which has, you know, their marquee win for the season. They finished... Second in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, they lost to Missouri State for third time this season in the championship game. I think Northern Iowa will beat Louisville and then you know face Minnesota in the second round. I don't think Minnesota will have much problem. They should be able to slow them down. They also have advantage at the service line and obviously you know playing at home at the PAV. The Gophers should advance to the Sweet 16 without too much of a problem. In the Sweet 16, they'll likely face San Diego or USC, which I think they could beat either of those teams. But they'll be playing most likely down in Florida. I don't see Florida losing the first weekend. So a regional final could come down to Minnesota and Florida. And I, Florida, Vermont Alisson is just too good, and that's been Minnesota's weakness all year is these middles that could score and block. So I don't see Minnesota making a return trip to the Final Four. Looking at the rest of the field, I guess starting just with your top four seeded teams, Penn State was one, Florida two, Stanford three, Kentucky was four, which that's where my biggest beef, I guess, with the selection committee is. Two SEC teams in the top four, which SEC is not a strong conference overall. They only got two other teams in the tournament. And Kentucky, I know they have a high RPI, which is selection committee's, I guess, favorite and practically their only tool they use in choosing seeds was three. So they're three in RPI. They're 26 and three overall. They lost to Creighton, which, eh, that's okay loss. They lost to Florida at home, which they also beat Florida on the road. So I guess that balances out. But they lost to Kansas, which that at the time was a good win in non-conference play. Turned out to be less so. What also was ridiculous about the top seeds was the difference between the committee rankings released on November 1st and to what they were now for the tournament. On November 1st, they had Nebraska at 2. At the time, they were 18-4, and four, and then they won out the rest of the way. They went 8-0, finished 26-4, and four, losses to Oregon, Florida, Wisconsin, and Northern Iowa. So none of those are bad losses, but... Somehow they have Nebraska at five, so they're not hosting, or most likely not hosting a regional, which is 
ridiculous. You went out and you dropped three spots in the rankings. And then also just Texas. They're number four in the RPI. Finished 24 and 2. They only lost to Florida and Minnesota, but they only came in at six in the tournament seed. Five of the nine Pac-12 teams that are in the tournament are in the top 16 seeds. As I said before, SEC has two, three Big Ten teams, Penn State, Nebraska, Minnesota. Big 12 also had three, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State. And then kind of your mid-major conferences, Creighton, BYU, and Wichita State in the top 16. Eight Big Ten teams made it. I'll just run through those matchups. Penn State plays Howard, Nebraska, Face Stony Brook, Illinois plays Hawaii, Michigan will face Colorado State, Michigan State faces Missouri State, Purdue plays High Point, and then Wisconsin gets Marquette in the first round. My picks are Final Four, Penn State, Nebraska, Texas over Stanford in that regional, and then Florida, and then I think Penn State's going to win national championship over Florida. Penn State's just... Too good offensively. They can hurt you so many ways. They defend well. I don't see anyone beating this senior-heavy squad. That's all I got for a tournament preview. So Minnesota will be in action Friday night against North Dakota at 7 p.m. There hasn't been any TV information released, so it may not air. So the best bet would just be to come to the game at the Pavilion. Second-round game will be Saturday at 6. Thanks again, Rachel. Uh, keep an eye out for more great volleyball content from her at the Daily Gopher. Question time. Uh, normally we have three questions. We're going to shorten it up a little bit. Uh, first question is for Street. Why in the world did you not come over and enjoy a Dilly bar when Tom brought them to us? On the one hand, I'm not totally sure what you're talking about because I don't know if that there was a football game that was played last week such that I would have enjoyed a dilly bar with any of y'all. However, if we imagine that perhaps there was a football game, I attended, was back in Minnesota, I attended with my family, it was great, we did some tailgating, I also sat with them we were in the lower bowl near a student section which hypothetically would have been filled and also hypothetically would have been filled with a large amount of red which was not great but it was generally a great time also got to meet in person chris and andy go for guy 05 uh, i did not share a dilly bar uh, for two reasons one i was hanging out with my family and two i wanted to make sure given that you're nine thousand feet tall that you had adequate nourishment during the game that's that's so kind so kind of you I mean, I'm not going to lie. I got to have a true dilly-dilly moment with the dilly bar in each hand. So I'm overly psyched about that. I really shouldn't be as excited about that as I am, but I am. So I don't know what that says about me other than I'm a huge goofball. Um, I actually am going to drag a question that we probably could have skipped, but I want want to talk about it because I think it's important. Is Vic Viramontes, the new YOLO quarterback commit for Minnesota, is his flow – stronger than the Minnesota hockey teams. Um, Steve, your thoughts on this? Very important topic. Boy, um, if you put a hockey helmet on Vic, I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference. Maybe from a size perspective you could, but boy, that is some legit Minnesota hockey hair if I've ever seen any. Well, of course, it doesn't hold a candle to the 
all-hair team of the Gopher basketball team last year, which, unfortunately, is starting to meet its demise. Um, if you see Nate Mason shaved his head, and on the heels of Eric Curry shaving his head, you know, guys, we're losing some of the basketball hair luster. I was, I'll was i be honest with you. I was worried when Mason shaved his head before the Bama game. Um, I, you know, I felt like that was a, a, a rash move given the performances so far this season. But obviously, uh, before the double technical incident uh, and the circus that ensued after that, uh, he was on fire and played an amazing game. So clearly the hair had nothing to do with his, uh, his talent or his play. Um, Street, is there any world in which you would not endorse Vic, YOLO quarterback extraordinaire, as having the best flow in the state of Minnesota? You know, honestly, I don't think so. He mentioned in an interview that Andy found that he thought that the official visit went really well. It was his first time in Minnesota and Minneapolis, and it reminded him a lot of San Francisco and Los Angeles, which one lulls. But two, he did not mention, I think, the other reason that he felt so at home, which is that Vic Viramontes' flow would unquestionably make the all-hair hockey team Minnesota High School State Tournament edition, and certainly is without question the best flow, college football, college hockey, or otherwise. Speaking of glorious things, which we can all appreciate, I think that's how the three of us feel about uh, Minnesota's expected performance against Miami. Let's put some official predictions down, um, get ourselves on the record for what we think is going to happen. Uh, I, I'm going to go with 78-70 to 70 Minnesota. I think Minnesota has a good game. Um, certainly it'll be tight for, for stretches, uh, but I think in the end uh, Minnesota's the better team and, and shows it. Steve, what do you see happening uh, on Wednesday night? I'm taking the Gophers by six. Um, I think they'll be in the mid-70s, um, probably held back a little bit by this Miami defense, but I really do like the way we match up um, from a front court perspective. Um, don't look now, but Reggie Lynch seems to have cleaned up his fouling problems, at least late last season and early in and early this season. We've had a lot of good indicators. He's played um, 30 or more, I should say 25 or more minutes um, in five or seven games so far, and three of those have been 30 or more minutes. And he's only fouled, um, or he's only racked up four or more fouls one time so far this season. So, like Alex said, having him on the court has been instrumental to um, the team's success so far this year and one of the best shot blockers in the nation, one of the best defenders of the rim in the nation. Um, having him out there for 30 minutes is going to play a major difference if and if he can do it. Street, what are you seeing? I know in the first edition of this podcast you had a bold prediction. Are you going to drop some fire here or are you walking it back? I believe that Minnesota will beat Miami 80-68 to tomorrow. I think that this is based on a couple of things. And I say I think that because I had a brilliant and extended version of this the first go-around, which sadly will never see the light of day. Thank you, Steve. But if I recall correctly, if I recall correctly, I had two reasons for this. The first one is that Miami has not actually played anyone this year, and so I am somewhat skeptical of their defensive numbers. I think they are a very good defense, but I also believe that it is reasonably easy to look like a very good defense when the best team you've played is LaSalle. The second one is I've watching the Gophers this year and what Steve just mentioned with Reggie Lynch reducing his fouling. The Gophers have played 
a couple of teams this year who were very good and have looked very good when they played them, most recently at Alabama. So I think they are the more battle-tested team. I believe that the Minnesota front court will have an excellent game, will stay on the floor, and consequently, I think 80-68. to I love the confidence. I would love to see that happen. That would... That would be a quick way to cleanse the national conversation, cleanse the palate of the national beat writers from this stupidity three-on-five conversation they've had since the weekend, which which we also talked about quite a bit, and frankly, probably too much because it's dumb. Minnesota's awesome. They had that game in hand the whole way. Um, all right, well, uh, battle for the U, uh, battle to determine who is the true U um, uh, tomorrow night at Williams Arena. Um, thanks again for listening to the Sky U podcast. We will definitely dip back into football next week, talk about uh, why we're not freaking out over any transfers, uh, get into a little more detail about what to expect from our new YOLO quarterback commit, good stuff like that. But in the meantime, go Gophers, Sky U Ma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.